And and um, th- we think that what we, what we've dealt with in the issue of Nabi Ayyub as various things. But before we go into this issue, inshallah allow us to be able to make the dua, if you do not mind. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعد رب اشرح لي صدري ويسد لي أمري وحل العبدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته تعالسنا سعطي Uh, we can officially start. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahi ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Wal-jannatu lil-muwahidin. Wal-a'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wal-salatu wal-salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal-mursaleen. Sayyidina wa maulana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta al-sami'ul alim. Watub'alayna inna أنت التواب الرحيم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم باركنا في رجب وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحسبانك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله as we've indicated that uh, we ended yesterday in the segment of knowing my lord on the issue of how Allah have tested Nabi Ayyub and the extreme severity of the issue of these tests to such an extent that Allah has taken everything away from him, his wealth, his health and his family. But Alhamdulillah, his commitment to Allah, Allah wanted us to understand. Allah has given him that test so that you and I may learn the lessons, so that we may come to know 
that Allah Ta'ala is the one who puts these things into our life and Allah Ta'ala can probably replace it depending on how strong your and my Iman is and are we ready to be able to submit to Allah May Allah grant us to be of those who recognize that these lessons that there is in the Quran is but for the development of you and me, not to be able to tell stories, not to be able to just know the lesson, but and see how does it affect us and that it can be embraced in our life and we can actually live and accept those things to the extent that we can learn from the messages or the lifestyle of the Anbiya. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all of us, inshaAllah. And so what we've seen, Allah has given uh, Nabi, Nabi uh, Ayyub the opportunity by saying to him, uh, put your foot down on the, on the ground, stamp down on the ground, and the, a spring will come out of that. That water you use, bathe your with your, that water, and drink of that water, for it will be a shafa'a for you. Ya Rabb, this is what Allah gave to Nabi Ayyub because Allah can probably do the same for us, right? Not necessarily in the same way by expecting to happen exactly the same things, but Allah can also give us means and ways for us to overcome our problems. And the law of nature is nobody can ever complain that he's always, 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 and by the way, always, I mean forever and ever in pain and uncomfort and he has got no because the law of nature is Allah allows Allah does not allow the night to carry on the night and the darkness and the uncomfort of the night does not perpetuate does not carry on the morning comes about the daylight is the result thereafter which means the difficulty the uncomfort the unbearable processes does not last forever Yes, some longer than others. But nobody can say forever. Because the reality is, Allah has shown us, there is a process of darkness, but light follows them. And Allah shows us in the Holy Quran, and Allah says, Inna ma'al usri yusra. That if you and I can embrace the difficulty, the uncomfort, the, the challenge for the moment and accept it, and bear with Allah, then success, ease, overcoming the processes, solutions to it, is the necessary or natural result that will follow thereafter. And when you and I start in the problem, it sometimes is so uncomfortable that we imagine this problem is never ever going to stop. That's not true. The truth is, it's going to come to an end. The sooner you accept the fact that this thing is going to come to an end, then yes, you are busy having to be able to empower yourself with acceptance and with the fact that perseverance gets into your life for that which Allah will grant you great rewards, if not in this dunya, then definitely in the year after. Allah does this in those people who can persevere, their reward will be a non-ending reward in the year after. It will be extensive. It will appear that, wow, I can't believe that all this for the fact that I had sober. May Allah put sober in the hearts of all of us. May Allah grant us perseverance. May Allah grant us the ability to, to be strong, 
when the uncomforts come our way or the challenges becomes unbearable for us. May Allah open the path and grant us what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. And so we've gone into the life of Nabi Ayyub and we've seen that at the process of the, the, the ayat, Allah to show that there was a moment in the life of Nabi Ayyub, his wife that was such intelligent and hardworking and assisting wife all the time, once said to him something that hurt him against that which comes from Allah Ta'ala and he made a promise that he's going to grant her a, a bashing and Allah showed us how Allah protected that bashing for her in the fact that Allah said to him yes carry out what you, your oath that you've made you've made the oath and you must carry out the oath but when you carry out the oath you say he's going to give her a spanking then that spanking that you can give her takes soft grass and if you take a hundred things of that and you eat it once and that will be a hundred blows Subhanak la hawla wa illa billah and here must probably for us to let us understand I think our, our, our forefathers used to say and I think I mentioned this if you need to hit your wife use a uh, uh, what they call it the not even a towel because the towel is going to be too heavy. A handkerchief. What is it? A sakduk. Gebruik a sakduk. And al wat jy dat slat, so as jy kan slat a sakduk, kan jy maar haar rauwgie met a sakduk. Subhanak la hawla wa kuwata illa billah. One thing to say to us, that when you actually need to be able to allow your partner to feel uncomfort, make them understand, but do not leave a mark. Don't leave a mark on them. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. May Allah grant khair and barakah. And we've seen what Allah has done to show us the lessons that we've taken from the life of Nabi Ayyub. We now go to an important Nabi in our life. And I think this one here is quite a few lessons for us that we need to take out. And that is Nabi Musa. Allahu Akbar. And yes, Nabi Musa is such a profound Nabi. And there is so many things in his life. We're going to start to look at the life of Nabi Musa and was probably from the, the beginning of his life. What happened and how that affects us. Now, for you and me, we need to look at the life of Nabi Musa. And we need to understand Nabi Musa was, was born in an era in Egypt where there was in control what we call Fir'aun of those times. Now, the word Fir'aun is a status position, it's not a name of somebody, like we would say king. The person is the king or the person is the governor, or the person is the president, and uh, 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 so that is not his name, he is the one in charge. And, and, and so they would be having their own fara'in at different kings or different leaders in the, the time of Nabi Ibrahim, the person that, that, that was ruling at time was called Namruth. But Namruth is also a status of a person then. And so there was, not, there was different uh, Namruths. Different ones, it's so Fir'aun, the same. And we see what happens in the time of Nabi uh, Musa, when he was born in that era, in that time, or prior to his birth. The king of that time, the Fir'aun of that time, had a dream and the dream he had was that somebody will be born and take over his position and this person is gonna break down his kingdom and he just had this dream 
And he then called his wise men together and he said to them, what told him what he dreamt about. And they came up with the idea that he should be protecting himself because it seems that this is surely going to happen. And he decided he was every child, every, every child that was going to be born, that a male child will be killed. And if it's a female child, he'd leave the child off. Subhanak. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And so many children in this whole kingdom, wherever a person was pregnant, they made sure they knew what was happening with the pregnancy. So if it was a male child, they would take the child to the to him and he would actually kill the child. Shukran so much for that. Sheikh Sheikh is now moving on to a next prophet and that is Nabi Musa alayhi salam. And now Sheikh is going to be continuing on that. Do know that you can send through your questions regarding this segment being knowing my Lord on O seven two two three eight O seven one two. Alternatively send through an SMS to four seven nine one three. Sheikh Tafato. A fun for that one and Yasmina. Um uh, we were busy just for the before the break by having to say what has happened in the environment that Nabi Musa was born in. Prior to his birth, what happened to the person in charge called Firaun, and he ha- he was he was he felt he's exalted, he's the high eye and the mighty, and he's in charge of everything, and he made sure that he manipulated people. And that he was taking charge, um, breaking down the, the powers of people and making them weak and in need of him all the time, oppressing them to the worst of extent that he can oppress people. And he oppressed the people and allowed to ascend Nabi Musa, or uh, Nabi Musa was born in that period. And so obviously if Nabi Musa was then born in that period, it's obviously understood that if he was doing this to all the boys, all the male child that was born, he killed them, he actually took the children, just killed them or threw them. Uh, he made, just made sure that they are killed. Some of them he ripped their heads off, some of them he cut them, some, some of them he threw into fire. And in strange ways he actually allowed people to understand that they may, may not have male, but it's all part of his fear. His fear that he did not have a control over, and he, he did so by his own people, amongst his own people, and amongst the, 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 the especially the, the Israelites that was living in Egypt at that time. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Now, in that period, and most probably I would love to be able to ask our people to do some research. Go to Surah number 28, if you do not mind. Surah number 28, verse 3 to 6, those four verses. Verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 6. And there Allah describes who Fir'aun has been and what is Allah gives in those four few verses. Allah gives a overview of Fir'aun and his type of personality and what he had with the intention to do to harm the people that lived in his time. Now the Israelites were a group of people who lived in, Pal- uh, who lived in, in, in Egypt. They came there by having to have traveled 
with the family of Nabi Yusuf. Now you remember Nabi Yusuf uh, came over to Egypt and he became the ruler, the leader in Egypt. But he called for his brothers and his father to come, his father and his mothers and his brothers to be able to come over and stay with him. Allah then in Allah's decree allowed the Fara'ina that they say the Fir'auns to be able to come about who took over the land and they enslaved the Egyptian, the, the Israelites, the people that was originally from Palestine. The children and the grandchildren of Nabi Yaqub, right? And so in that process of what has happened, that he has actually enslaved those people, so he made sure that his guards go out to check if any of the Israelite people had um, was was pregnant, and if they or they have given birth to male children, they would take the children, and would take the children to the king, to Pharaoh, and have the children being killed. In in this process of all that, Allah says, he oppressed the people, and he made sure that he broke the power and the strength of those people. They could not unite, and he disunited and break them into grab groups. What we say in today's life. Um, um, break people down, separate them from one another, uh, um, uh, uh, sort of uh, don't allow them to be united and give them the power of strength, break them down so that you can have control over them, right? And this is what he did, and Allah shows us that in the verses, right? So Allah decided in a period like that, this child, Nabi Musa, was going to be born. In that period, and that is the background he was born in, Allah tells us of what happened with his mother. Now, when you and I go to the verses, please, if you don't mind, go to verse number um, 7. And in verse number 7, you'll see Allah tells us what has happened to the birth of Nabi Musa. And how Allah Ta'ala instructed and guided her heart to what Allah has prepared as Allah Ta'ala wanted this child to be born in this period and he was going to be born and Allah Ta'ala was going to place him to be able to do certain things. Now, the understanding first and foremost of the background of Nabi Musa's life or the, the environment prior to his birth is an important factor to be able to see what was man doing? What was their lifestyle? And what was those people in charge of that time for us? And we find that the person of, that was in charge at that moment was the person who thought himself the Lord of everything. His power and his might. And he saw that he could do and manipulate and harm and control others as he wishes and he likes. Right? And so such an important factor that we need to ask ourselves. What is happening today? I, I probably want to make an almost statement here. In our modern day today, the Fir'aun of today is the Assad in Syria. I'm sorry to say that, right? He's had exactly everything that you found happening with Fir'aun and the background of that. And he came out of the process 
as if he thought he was successful in control. Allah has shown what will happen to him. And similarly, not necessary Assad, but any Assad, anybody who sees himself as an Assad, or see himself as a Fir'aun, or wanting to take control, or manipulate, or, 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 or break down, and thinking he's in charge, it's probably not even Assad only. Uh, 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 we also see what's his name from America today, in the modern America. Unfortunately, the modern America is one of the worst leaders, corrupted leaders, who only brings neg- negation of negativity to humanity, who's not there to be able to benefit man. They, they think they're in charge, they think they can manipulate, they think they can make and break as they wish. These are the Fara'ina of today, the Fir'aun of today. And the issue of Fir'aun never comes to an end. It carries on. But Allah shows that Allah's always in charge. We, you and I, should not be afraid. No matter what the future will hold, that Allah Ta'ala is going to take charge of that, you and I need to be able to, one, stick to the fact that you and I need to be able to do and carry out what Allah wants for us, even if it's how uncomfortable that you and I need to persevere the moments and the time so that Allah can grant us that successes, insha'Allah. And so in the process of that, Allah tells us in Surah number 28, verse number 7, and Allah carries on from verse number 7, Allah tells us up to the birth of Nabi Musa in verse number 13. And there Allah tells us in that surah, and so South, if you and I go and check and read what Allah is saying to us, and Allah tells us how Allah Ta'ala gave inspiration to the heart of Nabi Musa, the heart of the mother of Nabi Musa, by having to tell her that definitely she is in a state of uncomfort because she knows that she's pregnant and she fears the fact that if a child is going to be born, what is it? Is it going to be a son or a daughter? And Allah puts contentment in her heart, makes her feel contented. And Allah Ta'ala then instructs her and guides her along by saying to him, to her, that if he is born and you find him to be a son, then what is the steps that you need to take in a sense of Allah's decree for him so that the protection can be there? And so she gives birth to the... She gives birth and then after the birth she finds out that it's a son and this is Nabi Musa who's to be born. And Allah grants in her heart and Allah says to her, don't worry, do the following things and I will bring your son back to you. And what is it? And the Lord says to her, prepare a basket that's made of the, 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 the river uh, um, grass that grows on the river or the, 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 the wheat that grows there and take it and you put your baby in there and you cover it and allow it to go onto the river. And I will take protection, says Allah. Allah will take protection and Allah says, and I will bring your child back to you. And Allah allow the historical process to rush uh, the run off in what we see happens to the life of Nabi Musa. 
how Allah then says to the mother, send your daughter. And Nabi Musa had an elder sister by the name of Maryam. Send this Maryam to be able to follow the cradle that was created. That's moving on the river. Follow it. And whatever happens, she must be able to come and report back as to what has happened. And Allah allows her to come to see that that day when the mother has put the basket into the river and allow it to flow with the river as it goes, and the daughter is running from the side of the river to see what's happening, she sees how that day in the morning Fir'aun and his wife is busy taking a bath on at the river. And the riwayat is, some says Fir'aun sees it first, and others says the wife sees it first. Or some says that the wife indicated this to, to Fir'aun, as seeing that, that basket that flows there on the river. When they saw that, Fir'aun says that that thing is for me, that's mine. Uh, because he's the powerful, he's the mighty, and he's in charge of everything, and, and, and he can do and he can say yes and no to things, he says, that's mine. And strangely, Allah put it in the heart of the wife of Fir'aun to be able to say, you can have that for you, but what's in it is mine. And he accepts it from his wife as to say, Yes, what's in it is yours, but I'll take the basket. Subhanallah. But it looked beautiful. It was quite attractive. But this is what Allah wanted for the process. And they rush off to get it. And they get it nearer to them. And as Fir'aun opens up the ba- or takes the basket and opens it up, Subhanallah, his wife is next to him. And so she sees the little baby. And suddenly Allah puts into her heart a strong form of love for this child now she never had she hasn't given birth in her life but she's one of those wives of her own that he a lot granted for him to have extensive love for her and her name was Asia and she never had children and suddenly she says to her to her husband who wanted to take the child because he now sees as a male child and he wants to kill the child because he kills every male child and she says to him no don't kill him. Remember, I don't have children. Let's take him as a son. We don't have sons. Subhanak. And because of his love for his wife, and the extent of her plea to him, he accepted and he accepts the child to be accepted, to be taken in. And they take the child from there, and they take the child into the castle that they stay in, where they have control over things. And when the child gets into the castle, Allah grants the process where this child carries on crying. And for own fields he's in charge, he allows to be called upon the mothers that can actually wean the child. And they get a lot of females to come along who's been having children or who uh, was supposed to give birth prior that they come with having to see what's ever in their breast to be able to feed the child. But the child would not take to any mother. Subhanak Allah's decree. The child would not take to the, any mother. And in the process of what's happening, 
Allah granted the sister of Musa to get her way through to the side of the river where Fir'aun and his wife were staying and she gets there and she gets inside and she gets amongst the people and she makes a, a claim and she says can I grant you a family whom I know no matter what child she feeds the child will get to rest and ease and then suddenly they say no where's this place where's this person and she says I know where they stay and they go off and get to this people and subhanak in this way how Allah brings the mother back to the child and Allah unite Nabi Musa with his mother again through those process and Allah grants the position where the mother comes to stay the mother and the daughter comes to stay in the palace and only and stays there right through the week and enjoy everything that is with their child to wean the child and to see that the child grows up subhanak and this is how Allah allows the process to happen with the birth of Nabi Musa Shukran so much for that We ended off with our first category being knowing my Lord and now we head on to our second part of the program being I am a Muslim what is expected of me and yeah I urge you to send to your SMS's regarding the questions that she is going to be mentioning and well as well as the whatsapp messages as well you can send your questions through to whatsapp and to our sms's so she is going to be continuing where she stopped yesterday inshallah sheikh bismillah shukran jazakallah khair for that one yasmina um yes in the segment i am a muslim so what is expected of me we are still busy with the section where salah needs to be done and the issues about salah and we are busy in what we call the prerequisites of salah we were yesterday with the issue of the khuf which we dealt with as a portion where the feet needs to be seen to by something that you can wear on the feet and you can do the hoof on the feet. And we dealt with the hoof yesterday uh, uh, until I think we've ended on the uh, on all the issues of the hoof that we completed. We The length of the time we went for yesterday, what is to be wiped in the manner of the wiping, um, and whether we wipe on, on leather sock or, in, or woolen sock or anything of that nature. And what invalidates the wiping, which which makes it uh, the wiping not permissible. And they see, we said there were three things there, and we, we mentioned those three things, and we ended the process by having to give us the understanding of what happens in that. Um, we need to understand that we were on the last segment saying the removal of the, if we remove the uh, hoof from the feet, then that breaks the hoof. So the person then needs to take wudu again. But if the person is clean, which means he has taken wudu and he's still in a state of wudu, his wudu is not broken, but he has taken put the hoof on. And for some reason or another he's removed the hoof, then that does not break because he's still in a pure state. He can then just after that put on the hoof again and just carry on with the hoof. There's nothing wrong in that sense. Right? So we, we need to understand that. If a person wears a pair of socks and a, a shoe or a boot and he wipes over the, the top one, then if he removes the, the top one with the intention that both of them was supposed to be for hoof, then both of them is, ex then he probably can remove the, the boot 
and and stay in the sock if the sock is thick enough and can use the sock sock as as hoof in that sense so that was the last of all the things that we had to share with you when it comes to the to the to the use of the hoof and we then said that we are going over to the to the uh, the rusal and when it comes to the rusal we need to understand uh, we're going to deal with the rusal as what is what entails the rusal itself but we are going to first go to what makes the rusal obligatory what makes it a necessity what makes it a necessity that you and i should be able to take the rusal right when is it a necessity that you and I need to take the rusal? And there's a few facts, facts that we can share there. The first one is when there is the removal or the coming out of the, the ejaculation of semen from the, from the body, right? Now, regardless of whether that is the person is awake or asleep, um, if, the, if the person has given off, uh, uh, which we mean he came into a state of janaba, and he had to be able to, uh, uh, the semen can, came out, whether he's awake or he's asleep, then now by the word asleep, uh, the references here, the person either had a wet dream, um, or the person is having an intimacy with his partner, uh, 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 then, then that is quite permissible, right? Uh, to understand that that is a reason why the person must be able to go for now, um, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to us in a hadith that when, when you have in the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he indicates to us that when a person had fluids that came out of the private parts then, and especially with reference to this, uh, the semen then that uh, creates a situation where he needs to go for a ghusl, right? Most probably I'd like to just say to us, remember, the, the ghusl is a, a very much like the wudu. And when I say very much like the wudu, remember when we dealt with the wudu, we said uh, the wudu is actually a physical act, but it's not a physical negativeness. There's nothing that's created this, except for the person has must probably uh, relieved himself, or a wind came out, right? Um, and so the so the the wudu, the wudu is actually what we call a spiritual garment that he covers him in. The the ghusl is very much like that. It's to be done physically on the physical body. But it's, it's, it's almost like a spiritual garment that you cover yourself in that gives you the permissibility to interact and do certain things, right? And it would not be for a Muslim recommended that he is in the state of Janaba and he do not wash himself. Now, this is a very, very important statement in the modern day and time where many a times you ask a young man, Let's make salah or something. Then he says, no, 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 I'm not clean. Um, sometimes a married man would say, I had an affair with my wife last night, but I didn't get a chance to go and bath. Now, this, you and I as the parents of the then time, must be able to see that we actually nurture our children with the understanding 
a Muslim is not somebody unless circumstances is very very uncomfortable but a Muslim is not somebody who in actual fact is in a state of Janaba and leaves himself to be able to go through the day Subhanak. he gets himself into a bath as soon as possible and he knows that he needs to go for a bath as a necessity and he does not carry on in life as a norm as if it is just the accepted thing may Allah protect I mean, thank so much for that, Sheikh. We are in our second part of the program, being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me. And yesterday we were speaking about the hoof, and now today we are speaking about the huzl. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran for that one, Yasmina. Um, just before the break, we were busy starting with the huzl, and we went into what makes the huzl obligatory, what makes it a necessity, what makes it and the fact that you and I need to huzl ourselves. And the fact that we said, what our Nabi says that, if there is reasons why the semen came out of the man or the woman and then the ghusl is a necessity. Now there is even a hadith from the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a, 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 a woman by the name of Umm Sulaim. She says, O Messenger of Allah, does Allah not shy away from the truth? Meaning, um, and then she says to clearly that does the woman have to make ghusl if she has a wet dream? The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says yes. If she sees the liquid that comes out of her body, because normally when there is intimacy between a man and a woman, there are certain liquids that comes out of the body, and that, that liquid comes out of the, the, the emotion is there with that, with that, then the ghusl is a necessity. But the scholars also says to us that if it is a wet dream, in, in a sense of a wet dream, you don't always remember the dream. But when you see the wetness of the, the fluid that came out, then the necessity of a ghusl is a norm. Subhanak la hawla wa la illa billah. So it doesn't happen with men only. We said when, what makes a male a, a, a person that is mukallaf is the fact that he will start to get wet dreams, right? That's the introduction to the process of his being mukallaf. We've also given other things to that, right? Uh, a, a woman, on the other hand, we said what makes her mukallaf is the fact that she gets what we call the haid. Now, this this is a clear indication as to when is a woman in a state of of, of Taklif or mukallaf or responsible, and the male side is when he gets wet dreams. So, the issue of wet dreams is something that we need to be able to prepare the minds of our children with, and let them understand that this is a norm and a natural thing, and it's a, a obvious developmental process that every human being has gone through. Their parents, their shuyukh, the great scholars, the high personalities, everybody has gone through that. But we've got guidance that we need to show ourselves and things that needs to happen. And when that happens, that he or she needs to go for a bath that, so that they can be clean thereafter. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And as we see, the process that makes a female a mukallaf is the haid. And the haid is something that lasts with a woman, not for an occasion, for a period of time. Yes, the shortest haid is, uh, can happen for a, for a, for a just an occasion, an occasion, now and then. But khayr um, can be, or, or, gen, or normally is, or generally is, 
over the period of um, four, five, six, seven days, it could run to that. Um, some people get four days, some get five, some six, some seven, and so forth, right? And, and, and then you get extreme cases where it's even more than that, but we'll be dealing with those issues later on. My point that I want to make here is that the issue of the ghusl, if it is haid that the woman gets, she does the ghusl after the haid. When it comes to the uh, a male factor that gets um, the wet dreams and is now mukallaf, then the ghusl must be done immediately after he's come out of the sleep, as soon as possible. As soon as possible, he can get that means and ways to be able to, to, to wash himself or to get water. We say that he doesn't have water at where he stays. He needs to go to the bath or to the place where there's water or the river. Then going there ASAP is important. As having to be able to clean himself is an important factor. Right? May Allah grant khair and barakah for all of us, inshallah. So it's extremely un- in, uh, important for us to understand that the first process of that makes it a necessity when there is the coming down of the semen from the male side or the liquid that in, in the female side. Right? And that happens when the person is asleep or other. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Now, um, the scholars goes further by saying, if someone experiences a wet dream, but sees no fluid, then ghusl is not obligatory. Meaning, he goes through the emotion and he has been in this dream, and he, uh, but he does not, when he, when he wakes up, he feels that he's dry, there's nothing, then the fluids did not come out, and in that case, it's not obligatory for him. But if one finds the fluids but does not recall the wet dream, which means um, he, 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 he went through a dream but he was asleep and when he wakes up, he didn't realize that he went, was in a dream uh, or he was in a wet dream. And whatever has happened, he, he just finds himself that the fluids is on his clothing. Then for that matter, he needs to go for the, for the ghusl as a necessity. Um, Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu an asked the Messenger of Allah Ta'ala was said, the Messenger of Allah was asked about a man who found witness but did not recall experiencing a dream. The Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stated, he must make ghusl. Then he was asked at some other time about the man who experienced such a dream but found no fluids and he said, ghusl is not obligatory on that person. So as we see, this is the advice and guidance of our Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The second reason for the ghusl is when there is intimacy between a husband and wife. Now, the moment there is intimacy between husband and wife, then ghusl is a necessity. Now, here it is important to understand that intimacy between husband and wife, it does not always happen with ejaculation of fluids. In the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, When the two private parts meet one another, they in, in, interact with one another, and even if ejaculation did not take place, just the fact that 
the private part of the male entered into the female's private parts, then the inter the fact that they entered into then that constitutes the fact of a ghusl that needs to be taken. Again, the words of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in, uh, in a hadith, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gives us clarity to us. Shukran so much for that. Sheikh she was just speaking about the ghusl and now Sheikh is going to be going further, inshallah, Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran for that one, Auntie Yasmina. Alhamdulillah, we at the beginning of the ghusl and we're looking at the uh, the things that in actual fact makes it a necessity for you and me to be able to take the ghusl. Um, we were at the second point where we said the fact that a person um, when there's intimacy between husband and wife uh, then it, it, uh, and it can constitute the fact that there must be a ghusl. Now when we speak about intimacy obviously it can only be intimacy with halal people and can only be intimacy between a male and a female. The other forms is totally haram, it's not accepted, right? But a ghusl is a necessity. A ghusl is a necessity. Na'udhu billah. I am not encouraging those things. I'm saying that when we speak about when there is sexual intercourse or intimacy between husband and wife, it can only be between a halal man that halal married to his wife. Between a halal male and female, right? The fact that the act has been done, if it's not halal, then ghusl is a necessity. It's a fart. You don't get away from the ghusl, right? Um, so this comes from males and females. Um, and the fact that unfortunately in the world that we live in today where there's the processes of people doing the act with other than uh, 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 partners or other than which is halal married partner, uh, uh, it is not an accepted fact. It's not permissible. It is something which is detested by Allah. But... The ghusl is a necessity, right? What I'm saying here is that we need to understand that the fact that if the, if the person has gone to that extent, na'udhu bidla, and the world that we live in today, it's, it's just uncomfort. We need to say to the person, if you are not going to take the ghusl, you are going to leave yourself in a state of janaba, and you are vulnerable to shaitan. Shaitan has got all the controls over your whole body, your mind, your heart, your soul, your body, your limbs, every limb of yours is in total control of him. If you leave yourself in the state of Janaba without having to take the ghusl. And so the issue of, of the fact that a person has been in a state of Janaba, whether that is a state of Janaba because of a wet dream, or janaba because of intimacy with the partner, then in both cases it is a necessity to be able to see that the ghusl has been taken. We've given you the exceptions to the rule. And let me just say that the, we said the intimacy between husband and wife, that when a person enters into the partner, In the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, if the male puts him himself between the four parts of, the, his, of his wife, referring to his, his wife's hands and the feet, and, or, the, or the arms and the legs, and he puts up between that, then the ghusl becomes obligatory with a reference to the fact that the, uh, a person has been intimate with his partner. And 
not necessary. This what the scholar says, but not whether whether there is ejaculation or not, right? Whether there is ejaculation or not, the moment there has been that intimacy between the two of them, then the need for a ghusl is a necessity. The third point of when there is a necessity to take a ghusl is when a person becomes Muslim. A person hasn't been Muslim, he enters into this deen, he becomes Muslim, and at that moment that he wants to become Muslim, that is the moment that he needs to go for a ghusl. Right? A, a, a Sahabi radiallahu an by the name of Qais ibn Asm he related that when he embraced Islam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ordered him to make ghusl with water and lotus leaves. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. The fourth one is when the menses and posts Partum bleeding come to an end, and with reference the Haid or Nifas. When it comes to an end, Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha related that the Prophet said to Fatima, been to uh, one of the, the, the uh, females in Medina, when the menses come to you, leave the place, and when the menses leave you, make the ghusl. And the, uh, it was known that the nifas, and nifas is something, the, the, the blood that runs after the birth of the, the baby, or with the woman has had either a, 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 a given birth, or she's had a miscarriage, then there's bleeding, and as long as the bleeding runs, that's called nifas. And when the nifas comes to an end, very much like the ghusl, when it comes to an end, it needs to be the same, and uh, the scholars comes to the consensus that that is the time that the woman needs to take the ghusl. And then there's difference of an opinion on the, the scholars of saying that one of the times that a Muslim must take a ghusl is on a Friday. Is it a fart ghusl? Or is it a ghusl that's not a fart? It is strongly recommended, and most of the scholars says that we must be able to see, see that we take a ghusl on a Friday. Now, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa indicated for us that we could probably be without a ghusl for a period of seven days. But that is the longest period. And so the seventh day must be the Friday that we must see, because for a Muslim on a Friday it is preparation for many things. The masjid for a Muslim male is a necessity, but the Muslim female must also prepare herself. And so if there was no reason for any ghusl, then it's highly recommended that they do ghusl themselves on a Friday. All of them, males and the females. Uh, the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says to us that the issue about a Friday, the ghusl, for the person who is in a state of uh, puberty, a mukallaf person, is an obligatory on everyone, speaking to us, male and female. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And that hadith is in Bukhari and in Muslim. Subhanak, may Allah grant khairun barakah that we can to understand that 
the, 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 it's not a fart ghusl like a fart ghusl, but it's a strongly recommended for us that we must ghusl ourselves on a Friday. And that brings about the, 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 the five issues that the scholars are saying why we need to take, for when is it that we need to take ghusl. Now, we're coming to the, the ghusl itself, and we're looking at the essential components of the ghusl. Right? What is the essential components of Husserl? What is important? What is important? There's two things there. One, the intention, that the person must have the intention in the heart and knowing that he must have the intention for the Husserl. Allow me to say, there's no specific words for the intention. The intention must be in the heart, the intention must be in your mind, in your heart, and you must feel that you are doing it for the sake of Allah. Right? You're cleansing your body because you are in the state of Janaba and you're coming out of that state of Janaba, right? Or you're entering into Islam. The intention is to clean the body of all the harms. There's no specific words that must be said here, right? It's a, a, the, yes, there's scholars who came up with words, but nothing taught to us by our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who says, who is the teacher, who says to us. What and what means me now? If our Nabi has taught us words, then that words becomes a necessity. So if you and I have words, and you've been using it all the time, and you feel you want, still want to use it, there's no sin about that, right? There's no harm. But we need to understand it's all about an intention, and our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam makes this very clear. Every act there must be an intention. Or nay, there is an intention, says the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But we need to make sure that that intention is for good and for righteousness because we could also have an intention for negative or ulterior motives or something of that nature. May Allah protect that we always see that our intention is pure and clean for the sake of Allah. The second component that's important in the ghusl is the fact that water must reach the entire body. Everywhere on the body the water must reach there. There mustn't be a place on the body where there's not water, water has not reached there, right? So, when we speak about a ghusl, you must make sure that water is in every portion, and there mustn't be a portion of the body that there is not water that hasn't reached there. And that brings us to the end, we say to you the two portions, the intention and the reaching of the, the water on the entire body, right? And then we go to how did our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam perform the ghusl? Now people, this is an important fact and I think I, I'd like all of us to take heed of this and to ask ourselves where do I fit in? Where do my family fit in? And are we doing it in that format, right? Yes, we could be doing the ghusl other than the matter of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No sin. As long as we have those two conditions in place, but this is what the Nabi did, and if you want to have maximum value, remember when you and I do something to follow the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the rewards for that is extensive. Besides the reward by Allah, yawm al-qiyamah, Allah showers you and me with extensive barakah in our life when we follow the pattern and tariqah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who was sent to take you and me by the hand and guide us onto the path of this sirat al-mustaqim. Without him, you and I would not have been Muslim or cannot be Muslim. He is the path to Allah. He is the path to Islam. 
sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so we are proud if our Nabi did something that you and I go out of our way to want to do that. When those people are madly in love with uh, 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 somebody or some star or some person and they do certain things, then those people who love them, whoever, uh, uh, feel great about them, they don't mind to do everything that they do. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And you and me, our love for our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes forth that when our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has done something and you and I know that, that we go the extra mile, that we do it to the best of our ability in exactly the manner and we find that what did, how did the Nabi do it? How did the Nabi do it? And if he did it that way, we go out of our way to want to do it that way, right? We go out of our way to want to implement that in our lives. May Allah open the path. So how did the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam perform the ghusl? Aisha radiallahu anha, she says to us, when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would perform ghusl, because of his intimacy with his partner, he used to begin to wash by the washing of his hands. He washed his hands first. And then he took water uh, from the, the, the bucket that they had where the water was in. He scooped it with his right hand, scooped the water out, of, and put it onto his left hand, and used the water in his left hand to do what we call washing the private parts of the Nabi, calling the istinja or cleaning the private parts of the Nabi. And we head on to our final segment of the program, being leadership in Islam and its progression. And Yasha is going to be continuing just to give us our brain a refresher as to what Sheikh was speaking about yesterday, Sheikh Tafatou. Shukran jazakallah for that one, Yasmina. Yes, we are in the segment now, leadership in Islam and its progression. Um, and we've been dealing yesterday with, under the, lab, the topic of communication, we spoke about decision-making and then we gave the understanding of who is the decision-makers or what is but uh, I must probably want to just emphasize again decision-making according to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the responsibility of each and every one of us at some time we need to be able to make the decisions ourselves and but the norm is that we first put the responsibility on the male factors in society. Now those male factors could be your father, could be your partner, could be your brother, could be your sons, right? Um, but this is what Allah has given to us, that especially with females and the circumstances where there's females most of the time in today's life, there's a lot of females. The females need to come together to be able to make a decision and decision making for that. But if the issue is something where there is a male that can and is possible, then the females, even if they are the mothers, even if they are the grandmothers, even if they are the aunts, and even if they are the sisters or they are the daughters, then they must be able to give the respect to the, to the male figure and he must take the responsibility because he must have the capacity and he will be kept responsible by Allah for the fact that he's been made the male and his job description is to look in the interest of every need and protection for the females right and so that is important in the process right that support structure and uh, I, I, I think I have coined a, a phrase yesterday where I said that remember the job in the life of a man, his responsibility is not where we've said yesterday here, 
we had a, we had a a, a, a a organization or a lifestyle where the woman feel that it's a male dominant uh, uh, process or, or, or environment that we find ourselves in and I've I've changed the coin and I've said that it, 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 it we don't need to be able to establish a male dominant uh, um, environment because unfortunately when we actually want to break down the male dominance then all that happens is we then create a female dominance both is not permissible and both is not accepted there shouldn't be a, a male dominant uh, process where the environment must be developed by that but there must be a male responsible environment we must be able to develop the male to become male responsible not male dominant if we can understand what I'm trying to say so um, I'm not here wanting to be able to create an uncomfort or a breakdown or, or insult or ridicule anybody we are just saying what is it and how we should look at things right male dominance the opposite of male dominance is female dominance and female dominance is is destruction is not healthy is good, not good because they don't they haven't been given the responsibility of looking after things they've not been given the responsibility has been given to male so it shouldn't be male dominant neither female dominance they should be male responsibility and females must, must be able to understand that their life in sense of protection and the sense of care and the sense of being there for the help of the development of the female there must be a male factor in her life so decision taking she must refer to the fail the male factor in the life whether it's her father whether it's her husband whether it's her brother with this son and she must understand that this comes from Allah and his Rasul and she must submit herself whether she is a mother whether she is a daughter whether she is a sister or whether she's a child um, in, in that sense she must be able to realize that this has been given by Allah and his Rasul and she must do her best to break her back for the fact that I want to serve Allah I want to be a good slave of Allah I want to admit to Allah first and foremost in my life and whatever I do must go in submission to what Allah wants and for I cannot call myself Muslim if I want it my way right loving it my way is what shaitan wants to me to do of me and many a times he corrupts and he destroys and manipulates me and i fall prey to him and i unfortunately break down the laws of allah or i reject allah and his message in the way i deal with things and our society today today has been going to the extent where this is almost prevalent and that's my words remember male dominance is not a recommended thing Allah has given the responsibility to the male to make the decision but for him to be able to come to the level of decision-making he needs to consult consultation is a necessity he cannot make a decision unless he has given his view on the table and he's consulted with you and you had the right to be able to add to that or to give your view to that which means he's listened to your views as well he's given he's opened his ears to your understanding and he's learned through the processes and then he comes he might many a times make his decision what comes from you
or the fact that you've nurtured him and reared him and guided him now especially when a, a, a mother is rearing a child and this child is a boy child a male child and there is a father who is busy either traveling or doing this that and the other and is keeping relationship with the mother then the mother must nurture him on what the commands and demands and decisions is of the father figure and she must be able to relate with the father figure to know if there's new things and so she must be able to guide her male son to be able to think in terms because in the words of Allah Ta'ala, in the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that when the husband is satisfied with the wife that the, the wife has done everything to be able to follow the instructions of her husband and of that what the husband wants as long as he is following the path of Allah and his Rasul and she does everything to be able to satisfy that and she guides her son to be able to fill that then she's doing the right thing and Allah will grant her the eight doors of Jannah she can choose if she dies a day which one she wants to enter in Subhanak la hawla wa illa billah so um, I want us to understand that we as Muslims don't make an issue of male dominance and female dominance we make an issue of having to see is this what Allah wants is this what Allah commands is this what his Nabi sallallahu wants and is instructed then we follow that to the best of our ability may Allah open the path for all of us inshallah and so we've seen that as we've said when there is occasions for decision-making and there is not the, the male factors in place then the females must be able to take decision but with the intention to want to see that our decision is within obedience of what comes from Allah and the guidance of our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam may Allah grant all of us to come to develop and to understand that, that process in our lives right um, in, in, in the issue of, 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 of decision making we said it's more so a, a, a male process because it needs to, the, as we say in English, the buck stops with the male. The buck stops with the male. So we see that even at the very beginning of the life, our Nabi Sallallahu's advice is when the mother has given birth and she finds that it is a son, one of the things the Nabi says, if it was a male child, then you must slaughter for him two sheep. To very clearly see if it's a female child, one sheep to slaughter for her as the aqika is permissible. The load on the male child is so much more heavier, so much more greater, and thus the need to be able to slaughter two sheep for him is not unfair. It's not a matter of unfairness, unfairness, it's a matter of responsibility. So let him understand your load, you, the expectation on you, my son, is going to be great. It's going to be extensive you need to become a man and you need to be the strong person to protect all the females in society in, in your community or your family subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah so the 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 the, 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 the dean wants to be able to say and make him responsible give the responsibility to him that he carry the responsibilities let him have that care and like we said prepare him nurture him give him exposure allow him to understand the dark and the light the sweet and the bitter the the ease and the uncomfort let, let him get exposure to what is the, the the beautiful and the nice things and 
Let him meet up with the challenges of what life is and get him into it. Let he become strong and healthy. Let he become a physically a man and build him spiritually a man and build his integrity as a man and build him to be able to want to take charge and want to be there to see in protection and in coverage and want to see successes from the side of what Allah has put into a man. Ya Rabbi, so that was in the issue of what we call the decision making that there was We've made the important factor in understanding and communication When anybody is made a an Amir And he wants to be able to make a decision The words of Allah Ta'ala for us in this Audin Allah Ta'ala says وَأَمْرُهُمْ شُورَ بَيْنَهُمْ the norm for a Muslim community, a Muslim person, is that they always consult one another. Consultation, they consult. So he cannot make a decision without consultation. Decision making does not mean he comes up and he just makes his decision. Because he pass or he can decide and finish and clear. I consult with my family. And then he makes his decision, and we, when he's consulted and then makes his decision, he looks at the broad interests and, and the circumstances, and he then takes the matter forward. Subhanak. Example, I just want to quote something very, very small. Is that we say our children is a variety of the children of mine that's not mukallaf, we allow them to play and to interact. The moment the child becomes the age of 10, you draw them into discussions, into decision making. You allow them to be able to see what happens, how mommy and daddy comes to the decision. And daddy puts the issue onto the table, he's the father figure, he puts the, ta the table um, on the table, and he allows everybody, and he starts with the youngest ones, and allow them to come with, but what do you, what do you think about that? Example, I want to use a broad example. Daddy wants to buy a car, what is your idea, my child? What car must we buy? Um, the young child, the young energy, I must say, Daddy, buy the Ferrari, or buy the Mercedes, or, 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 or any car that he has shown interest in, he would say, buy that car. And we listen to him, we give him his opinion, and we go to the other, the, the ones that start him more older than him, and so three of three or five another, the males and the females, they're all part of the decision making, and then when it comes to the, 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 the end, Daddy asked mommy, mommy, we've heard all of them, what is your view, what is your opinion? Now he lost, leaves mommy for last, and the reason why is mommy knows what is happening in the life of daddy and what's the circumstances, and mommy's not going to say, could be cut what gold is he, or what uh, Ferrari is he, mommy's not going to speak about what they, so mommy speaks, and, and Allah, wow, mommy's come to an idea, mommy says, my children, we can only afford so much. This is what we can do, so we'll buy that car. We can for now only get to that car, so we are not going to the Ferrari, we're not going to the Mercedes-Benz, or the BMW, or the whatever. We're going to that car because of circumstances, and that is the reason why. And we buy the sense of simplicity, but the fact that the thing is most probably um, going to last us long, and we're going to most probably have benefits in, in, from the situation. And this is how mom, and when they listen to mom, and dad needs to have listened, and dad says, now I've listened to everybody, do you mind? And he says, now, okay, I've decided that under what I've heard from everybody, I, my decision is X. Now, he started off with, he started with presenting his idea on the table, 
And that idea, everybody respects his idea and revere the idea because of him. And they also have the right to be able to give their opinions onto whatever opinion dad had, right? Or as the brother figure or as the, 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 the elderly male. And we then take the issue and present or interact with that. But it can also start with an issue of we present something on the table that mommy says, this is my view, this is my opinion, I think this, and mommy has brought this opinion on the table, or anybody else in the family, and we discuss it. But the end process, the final process is when if it's dad, that's the person, he is the on his neck lies the responsibility by Allah for the decision what the family must do. And that which he comes to, in the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that which daddy comes to is a fart on everybody in that family, on mommy, on daddy and everybody else. They must do that and carry that out. And if they do that, then that is obedience to Allah and His Messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ya Rab, the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says it is first uh, obedience to the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and in turn it is obedience to, the, to Allah Taala. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are now by our final part of the segment being leadership in Islam and its progression. And yes, Sheikh is going to be continuing where Sheikh left off before the break. Sheikh Tafatul. Afwan jazakallah khair, barakallah fikum. Um, again, on the we ended off in, just before the break about the issue about his decision making and letting us understand that how Allah in His Rasul expects of us to be able to develop our community and to develop leadership amongst us, but to be able to know that we all need to be able to see how can we assist and help and be there for one another. Islam did not come to undermine anybody. You and I lack many times the understanding of what Islam wants. And so it's a necessity that you and I go and find out what is the message of an Islam and how do we understand that. Islam, there's no reason to fight it because it's everything for the benefit of man, everything for the interest of man. And when you and I lack the true understanding of this deen, we many a time fall prey to the questions, Ya Ma, Ya Ma Di, Ya Ma Dai. Example, if Allah in his broad vision of the creator of humanity and know every male and every female decides that for every male that there is a right to be able to get married to four women, then that is Allah's right and every woman, every woman must be able to say some an wata'a. We've heard Allah made the command and Allah and we do not. Yes, I might not feel happy. I, the, my emotion is not happy with the fact, but this is Allah. So I say, if this is Allah, some anwata'a. If Allah says that I'm prepared to listen and to follow that to the best of my ability. And I pray for Allah, sovereign, the artists, and from Allah, from us, but make us real Muslims. And let us understand the job of a Muslim is somebody that you and I need to be able to see that we must be able to follow the cause of Allah to the best of our ability. Leadership in Islam is being, bringing the best of Islam in us. Ya Rab, mahallah goeie Muslims and goeie leaders so that we can pass over, over our leadership into the beauty of our youth and our youngsters and our children and they can take it over to the generations of the future where life is going to be much more uncomfortable, the challenges are going to be so much more and if we've nurtured them appropriately, then they would know how to be able to handle and withstand the encompass of that day and time. May Allah open the path for all of us and for our offspring and leads us to what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah. So, alhamdulillah, 
I think uh, uh, I, I think I've covered an extensive portion on the issue of decision making. We're looking at a portion of advice on tips on communication. Tips on communication, where they say to us, powerful or positive communication uh, comes from inner strength. Now, if you have inner strength, if you feel strong within, then your communication would be able to indicate that, that you'll be able to have positive and sound and good communication. And what we're saying here is that ill communication is when you, in actual fact, try to take charge of others, or you want to be in charge, or you want to instruct, or you want to command. Now that is not sound communication, or it's not powerful communication. When you have inner strength, you just project your inner strength, and that communication will be able to allow to be accepted amongst everybody. But if you feel that you have weaknesses and you want to manipulate or you know take charge of control or you put put your power over others, then unfortunately that is because of weaknesses that you are covered with. You are weak within. You are not strong. There is not inner strength. There is inner massive inner weaknesses, and so now you compel. Right? Um, may Allah grant khair and barakah that we we actually as Muslims develop with powerful, sound communication. Inshallah. The other factor in tips of positive communication is the advice that they give us. They say, try to be able to interact with everybody in your environment. Now, if your environment is home, interact with everybody at home. Your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your children. Um, if the grandparents are there, interact with everybody. Let there always be an interaction and reaction with everybody and be, be, be open and let it be a, a, a means of uh, allowing everybody to have the right to be able to present their view. And the views of others respect that, make it a sense of we will recognize drawing them in, making them feel their views important. Um, if, if you break my view off, then I might not want to say something else again, so I might not communicate. The issue of interaction with everybody opens your mind, opens your view, and opens your vision, and allows yourself, your own mind, to be able to understand others. So your silence is not good. You're keeping yourself, everything to yourself, and not interacting with others, others is not a healthy thing. It's healthy for you in every environment of yours. If your environment is home, as you said, those people at home. If your environment is work, the people at work. Interact with everybody. Do not interact with some and not with others. And do not find an excuse to say, yes, but this and that. But I'm busy and I don't have time and I can't do this. That's not an accepted fact, right? They say it's important that we understand the interaction with everybody is going to grant yourself the individual, the every one of us, the moment I give myself the right to interact with everybody, I become broader. My vision becomes so great. And my horizon becomes so great. And I see life much better. And I have a better way to interact and to understand the world around me. And I can be helpful and of assistance and supportive to others because I've been empowered to others. In English, there's a saying that says, my strength lies in everybody else. My strength 
lies in every being that the moment I allow myself to interact with everybody and and deal with my whole environment because they are part of my environment I cannot just rub them out and then they're not there no more they are there they are my environment so I must involve involve myself into the environment deal with everybody interact with everybody in the environment and that develops me it makes me a person that's so much more valuable so much more greater and I can then project my leadership so much more meaningful by having to give the necessary support or guidance or interaction or support wherever there is a need within myself and what my environment so I've, I've given the home as a possible environment given the job as a possible environment could be the school that's the environment could be the neighborhood that's the environment it could be the mosque that is the environment and so forth and so forth the environment could be anything but I must be able to say this is my environment let me allow me to interact with everybody because my strength my greatness my development is going to happen when I interact many a time those people who I don't want to into to interact with those people has got so much great background experience guidance that they can guide me onto if only I allow myself to interact with him right and so the necessity of understanding in the part of the tips of communication is they want to say don't ever dream that you know it all that you have it all I'd rather be saying to yourself I am weak without everybody my strength will come when I project myself positively is when I relate and interact with everybody and I can benefit from them listen to Allah we made you in tribes and nations that you can come to be able to reap the strength of others you come to know them you come to know their strengths you come to accept their strength and take it and put it into your life and learn from them and benefit from them you come also to identify the errors and the faults of the niggers of others and you come to see the need for you to be able to support them and you realize you need to be able to be there to also help others shukran so much for that Sheikh. we are now in our last few minutes of the program we are still in our final segment being leadership in islam and its progression and yes she can continue for a little bit longer before we make our closing inshallah Sheikh bismillah shukran jazakallah for that one at yasmina we were busy on the tips of the tips of communication and we went to the process of understanding the powerful communication that comes and the sound communication comes from the inner strength that there is and we said that um, the need for us to be able to interact with everybody in our environment and then the, the scholars gives us the advice they say to us it is healthy that we we able to see that we meet with everyone and try to every time meet up with somebody new with a new person or a different person that we haven't had time with for long before so me make time for everybody in your environment and see that you interact with all of them and at, at times um, if you must see that you probably can have a, a meal or sit near or with some person other and don't don't make it a constant that you only sit with certain people right? always interact and see that there's always new people that you interact with in your environment and see that you actually develop with them right and you benefit from them 
uh, or even to the extent that you can probably have meals with them because it makes people feel good when you actually can share that right and we see this in the life of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam of always wanting to ask if he needs to eat to see that these others would share the meal with him from time to time you know? um, the reason for this is to be able to uh, develop or establish meaningful relationships right uh, and may Allah grant khair and barakah that we can actually develop that sense of relationship with everybody and intimacy with everybody because it, it, it all develops a sense of strength and brotherhood in us and grants us to be, become Muslims as having to show love and care and concern to everybody that we, is when we say Assalamu Alaikum, the peace is on you and then I mean I feel peaceful towards you and you feel peaceful towards me and we interact and relate to everybody may Allah open the path for us one of the other tips that they give us, uh, they say to us that um, when there is a sense of communication that we have, that we from time to time need to paraphrase the message. Meaning, um, the word paraphrase means whatever the person has given to us the message, there's information that the person has given in his message or her message, and we take that message and we rephrase it as we understand it. That means paraphrasing. And, 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 and we forward it to the person to be able to, to make sure that we understand it properly or we have accepted or our, our reception of your message is clear. The other point that they say to us, the more we understand in communication with people, the more we'll be able to manage circumstances or things around us or the things that need to be done, the better and more profound and prof proficient we will be able to come in managing things and the less we understand the less we come to understand unfortunately then the process of manipulation comes about may Allah protect and as norm it seems that time takes us over we ask Allah to protect us and grant us khair and barakah insha'Allah let us make the final dua Bismillahirrahmanirrahim wal asr innal insana lafi husr إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بصبر وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والحمد لله رب العالمين We ask Allah to benefit us in the month of Sha'ban and Rajab and we, Allah grants us to be able to keep us alive for the month of, to benefit from the month of Ramadan that is under the doorstep Shukran wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Shukran so much to that Shihan on that note from myself Yasmina Peterson and has been an absolute pleasure being in your company once again up until when we speak again next week and Monday inshallah and also not forgetting that we are going to be at the Paul Festival taking place this weekend inshallah so do stay tuned for that and also do head down to Paul to come meet us inshallah so from myself Yasmina I bet you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh have a great day further